0: Here you go. Here you go.
1: Layers. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Layers as in layers of success. Jerry Jones announced yesterday, the owner and the GM of the Dallas Cowboys, that coach Mike McCarthy will be retained to fulfill the final year of his contract, putting the duck in lame duck. And Jerry Jones released a long statement that I think he wrote on the notes app of his phone. And one of the things he wanted to make sure that we were all clear, all of Dolphin's Dolphins. Come on, David. 4 8 69. That all of Cowboys Nation is clear is that there are many layers of success that have occurred this season as a result of Mike's approach to leading the team. So this is what happened with Jerry Jones. The game ends. He's losing his mind during the game, except... When you lose the way the Cowboys lost, when you get blown out the way the Eagles lost, as an example, when you're watching the game as a president or an owner, you actually are able to work through the loss in a much easier, more organized, more rational fashion. Because when you're down seven, nothing, and then 14, nothing, then 21, nothing, then 21, Oh, we had a chance, oh, shit, we don't, 21, Oh, sorry. Shikes. Shucks. Somebody said we're swearing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to swear. You can actually cut that out if you want, Coca. 4869. When you get blown out, I've always told you that I didn't care if we get walked off in the ninth inning or if we lose 12-2. to two. To me, it's a loss and you move on to the next day. In baseball, there's a next day. In the playoffs, when you lose six to one or you lose four to three, I actually do care because in a playoff game, I at least want the opportunity to win the game because there's a smaller number of games in which to accomplish what you need to accomplish, winning three out of five or winning four to seven. In a winner take all game, you don't want like a game seven or any NFL football game, you don't want to lose 32 to nine. You know, the Bills with with Scott Norwood, wide right, that's before many of your time. The Bills have never won a Super Bowl, by the way. They had an unbelievably successful reign under Jim Kelly when they went to the Super Bowl four years in a row. Lost every time, but they were there. But when you're blown out, what Jerry Jones was doing during that game, and it's been a meme where he's throwing the paper down or he looks terrible, he's actually processing the loss, starting... Much earlier. So then the game ends. He meets the media, and instead of having a knee jerk emotional reaction, which you should never do after a game, he just said, I'm floored. The things we went over after that game are nothing personal. I'm floored. I've never seen anything like this. We didn't expect this. It's the worst loss of my career. And I, along with many others, thought, I think you're going to have to make a move here. And there is no question that my past experience, no question. Colors my view of how I would handle situations. Even though you could argue that my desire to fire managers quickly or to get rid of players quickly did not serve me well more than it did serve me well, I could debate that actually. If you actually go back and look at the seasons I had, the fact of the matter is, when I have an opinion of what teams are going to do, or I make it an official wait to see, I do that because. I believe that's what I would do were I to be president of that team, given that I was president of another team. So it's not coming out of nowhere. So I'm thinking about Jerry Jones, and I'm thinking about Mike McCarthy, and I went through the categories of the thought process. Don't evaluate the Cowboys based on the game. Don't evaluate Mike McCarthy based on the loss to the Packers. Evaluate him based on his body of work. And my view is his body of work in the postseason was not sufficient to merit him returning. We need someone who is going to win in the postseason, not just the regular season. But Jerry Jones came out and had a very simple statement saying, we're really close. Now, really close to me is when you get a team that you've put together, your team is going to be kept together, and you believe that there will be not just incremental improvement, but significant improvement with enough of your players that your expected win total goes from 80 games to 90 games. And those last 10 games is the difference between watching October and playing in October. But in order to say that, you have to know your roster in a way that Jerry Jones does not know his roster. You have to know the other rosters in your division, the other rosters in the league in a way that I still don't believe Jerry Jones as the GM focuses on. Because Jerry Jones as GM should not be GM. While I respect that he names himself GM, and that's how he covers up his meddling ownership, there is no GM who would be able to have withstood the decades of losing that the Cowboys have had. So Jerry Jones releases this statement, and the only thing I could think of is that he was doing it as owner, but I wanted him to evaluate himself as GM. So he did in the statement, and he said, our loss on Sunday is shared by everyone here, not just Coach McCarthy, our players, our coaches, our front office, myself. Jerry, just a little word of advice. When you're listing people who are responsible for a game and for a result, the right way to do it is to put yourself first. Make the accountability on you. Why don't you do that, Jerry? He lists players first and himself last. Generally, what we like to do is put ourselves first and players last. The reason why we would do that, even if we don't agree, which Jerry of course doesn't, is that we at least want the public to have the thought that maybe Jerry as GM, Jerry as owner is saying, I am going to be better. I'm going to do something different. And when you make a laundry list of things and you put yourself last, that's about where you believe you stand in the percentage responsibility of the loss. So if you allocate 100% of the loss, you start with players, coaches, front office, myself. He's putting myself in like at 5%. Other 95, everybody else. And then what made me laugh at the end of his statement is that the lens that we use, he said, to view and evaluate Coach McCarthy is holistic. I love you, Jerry. We're all disappointed with the result, but I'm 100% supportive of him as our head coach and ability to reach our goals. He buried that horse hockey so hard into the statement. Does anyone else think that Mike McCarthy is going to be on the hot seat from the first day of off-season workouts? A bad start to the 2024 season? Because if Jerry actually believed in what he wrote in his statement, announcing he was keeping Mike McCarthy, if he actually believed it, he would have extended him. McCarthy only has a year left. Lame duck. If you have such belief in his holistic approach, give him a couple years because coaches who go in as lame ducks, while some franchises love it like the Yankees, most franchises don't want that in their locker room. They don't want the distraction of that. What do I think is gonna happen with Mike McCarthy? It's very simple. Mike McCarthy will not be the Cowboys coach in 2025. That's sort of a long wait to see, Coca, but I still wanna do it. Wait to see is when I say something's gonna happen, And we revisit all of our wait-to-sees once they either happen or don't happen because we're not going to be one of those talking gas bag shows. Just not going to do it. Mike McCarthy will not coach the Cowboys to start the 2025 season. That is my official wait-to-see. Now, what a day for football when the Cowboys and the Eagles both lost. And we had some Eagles news yesterday as well. And this made me smile. Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, has to go meet with the principal today, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, and it was leaked out. There's an expectation that Nick Sirianni is coming to the owner with a plan. Does that sound familiar? Remember when Doug Peterson was asked to come to Jeffrey Lurie at the end of a season with a plan? And then he got canned because ostensibly Lurie didn't like the plan. What are you talking about? What do you think? Nick Sirianni comes in. Nick Sirianni comes in. This is my imitation of Nick Sirianni walking in. He probably doesn't have the hat on. He doesn't. He's dressed a little nicer. I'd say a button-down shirt and a pair of pants comes in. Sort of nice, nicer sneakers. Has books that he had his coordinators prepare and his video guys and all of his assistants, the assistant, the traveling secretary, comes in and he puts something in front of Jeffrey Lurie and says, sir, Mr. Lurie, probably calls him Jeffrey by now, I've got a plan. My plan is that I want to fire my coaching staff because they're the ones that caused us to go from 10-1 and to 11-6 and lose 32-9 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You saw a team out there that wasn't playing hard for its coordinators. You saw a team out there that wasn't executing executing because of the coordinators. Do you think for one minute that a coach or a manager walks into a postseason meeting and ever says, I think you should fire the hitting coach. I don't see how I can move forward with the pitching coach. 18 years of meetings I had. Not one time did a manager say, yeah, I don't think we should bring back the staff. They always say that. They may not mean it, but they always say it. When you speak to your manager at the end of a season and ask, so what do you think about next season? We're going to probably not fire you, but what's your plan? Well, I'd like to get more two-out hits. I'd like to see if we can get our starting pitchers maybe into the sixth inning every once in a while and I'd like to maintain our incredible record in one-run games. Well, that's one hell of a plan. Any other plans? Yeah, I think we're going to do a few more fundamental workouts during spring training. And I'd like to see if we can travel to the road city a day in advance more often because we really like to be rested going into road games. I think that will help our road record. Any other plans? Yes, I would like to have the following things. A list of equipment that we like in the clubhouse and a list of changes that we'd like to make in personnel because we all met and we think our third baseman stinks. We have need a backup outfielder. And by the way, we need pitching. Well, thank you, Mr. Manager. That is one hell of a plan. What does Sirianni do? The rumor is that Jeffrey Lurie is asking for Sirianni to come up with a list a list of coordinators to replace the current coordinators he has. How would that be exactly? When you never get your coach to want to fire your coordinators, unless, of course, you're the New York Giants, where there's major drama and horrific relationships with coordinators. So right now, Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, the guy who hugged all the players in front of the camera, and Sirianni have been reaching out Reportedly, reportedly reaching out because last year after the Super Bowl, as you recall, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and two coordinators left the Eagles. Offensive coordinator Shane Steichen went to the Colts. And remember, Jonathan Gannon went to the Cardinals as head coach. Two new coordinators brought in. Now, two more coordinators are going to be brought in. Don't you think Jeffrey Lurie has that meeting? with Nick Sirianni and says, you know, I don't think it's the coordinators anymore. That was end of meetings. Can we do a side note here, Coco? Just a quick side note. I wanna talk to you about an end of meeting, an end of season meeting. I like to have the end of season meetings the next day. So if season ends on a Sunday, you don't make the playoffs. I wanna have them Monday. My purpose of the end of season meetings was never to put a bow on the previous season. I didn't want to hear excuses. I didn't want to hear reasons. We finished 70 and 92. That's it. It's done. I want to hear not what the plan is in terms of what the manager's doing. I am far more interested in what the general manager and the scouts are doing. I'm far more interested in what we're doing on the major league side in terms of personnel, because all I'm gonna hear about a day after a season when we're 12th in the league in ERA and we're ninth in the league in average is that we've got to get more on base guys. We've got to get guys who hit contact hitters. We've got to get pitchers who who have swing and miss stuff. It's always the same crap when going through what happens in a losing season everybody gives the same excuses. It's not about analytics. It's not about going through and saying, look, we didn't get very lucky with the batting average of balls in play, and we expect a regression next year, but it'll be a positive regression, which means we can expect to go from 70 wins to 74 wins. I'm telling you that's not how these meetings go. And asking a coach to come into a meeting to give you a plan that involves the firing of his coordinators, I'm not buying it. Jeffrey Lurie's been around; he's been an Eagles owner. They were in the Super Bowl last year. Either be committed to what your coach is doing, or fire him. Either acknowledge that the Eagles, unlike the Cowboys, ended up as a terrible second half of the regular season, while I still finished 11-6, and six, ended up with a terrible playoff showing, ended up looking as though it was quit time. Either evaluate that for what it was or say, you are all not watching what we're watching. We watch differently than you do. This team is all about players who love Nick Sirianni and they just got beaten by the better team. We're running it back. But stop making it based on a meeting. Even though Lurie already fired a guy based on a meeting, it's ridiculous. If you know you're firing someone with your postseason meeting, there's nothing they can do. Didn't we do a segment on that, Coca? I sort of enjoyed that segment where we talked about convincing someone. Oh, it was the 8 a.m., the Ron Rivera meeting. Hey, Josh, I'm telling you, So, thanks for meeting me at 8 a.m. the day after the season. But I want to tell you, I've got a great plan for the commanders next year. Thank you, Ron, but give me your key card. All right, let's move on to Amazon. I talked several times about the bankruptcy, Diamond's bankruptcy of the regional sports networks. I wanna explain something. We're gonna talk about it. We recorded a sporting class with John Skipper and Pablo Torre. It's gonna be released tomorrow. We recorded that yesterday. During Nothing Personally yesterday, I was explaining to you why MLB would object to what Amazon was doing. And then it was announced during the course of the show that Amazon had a deal in place to invest in Diamond. Well, now that I've had the day to read about it, research it, I wanna give you a few points about this that will be of interest to you when you are asked in front of the water cooler on Zoom, When you file chapter 11 reorganization, we told you about what that is. That means that Diamond as an entity, they're a company that has all these regional sports networks around the country where they've got 11 MLB teams and a bunch of NBA and a bunch of NHL teams. And they've got contracts and they've got assets, they've got liabilities, they've got billions of dollars of debt. That reorganization is done and approved by a judge. The company itself negotiates with its creditors, meaning the people they owe money to. The company negotiates with the people it does business with, like MLB or NBA or NHL. And any sort of resolution that you come up with, with the people who you owe money to, or the people who you have borrowed money from, or the people you have contractual privity with, any arrangement you come up with, has to be approved by the judge. You can't just execute a contract when you are in Chapter 11. It doesn't work that way. So what was announced yesterday is that Amazon, as in Amazon, is going to give $115 million into Diamond. Like, give them cash. And in return, they're gonna get the right to stream all of the games of all of the teams that Diamond has the rights where they used to be able to have the rights to stream on Fox Sports Florida, the Bally's app, all that stuff. Amazon is now buying the rights to do it where they will have the ability to stream these games. The other part of the package to save Diamond as a going concern is Diamond is a subsidiary of Sinclair There is a lawsuit between those two. Forget why, but part of this solving of the Chapter 11 reorg is that the lawsuit between Sinclair and Diamond goes away, and Sinclair will actually give Diamond about $500 million. So they get $500 million from Sinclair. They get $115 million from Amazon. They go to the judge and say, with all this money, we have the money to operate as long as you make sure we don't have to pay back the following 10 people. And we renegotiate the rights deals to these teams and not those teams. It's an all-encompassing plan because to get out of Chapter 11, you don't just have to take care of 30% of your problems. You have to take care of 100% of your problems because the way the judge releases a company as a continuing going concern out of Chapter 11 is with a comprehensive Here's how we're getting back into business. Here's what we're going to look like. Here's what our new name is going to be. Here's what our new financing structure is going to be, our capital structure. So all of that is happening. Amazon has one goal in mind, and I want to throw out so much credit for what Amazon is doing here. Amazon loves the idea of its streaming deals. They love the Thursday night package. They wanna do an NBA package. They love to be able to stream Major League Baseball games because during the summer Major League Baseball games, that's the live sports content that exists during the summer for the most part. In order to get the rights to stream and your Amazon, you have to do a deal with either teams individually And right now, Amazon streams a few Yankee games as an example. Or you do a deal with Major League Baseball. In order to do a deal with Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball has to have the right to give in a deal the streaming rights to its teams. Baseball does not have the streaming rights to its teams because the teams don't have the streaming rights to its teams, all of them. So as an example, in baseball just to give you the Marlins the Rays are two teams that are that are an example I would like to mention the Royals the Tigers the Brewers five teams when they negotiated their TV deals they gave the streaming rights to Bally's to Diamond what Amazon wants is the streaming rights to those five teams and they want the streaming rights to the rest also. Did you know that NHL and NBA cut a deal with Diamond where they would get their rights fees for this coming season, but at the end of the season, all rights would revert back to the teams. The teams would then transfer those rights to the league and the league would then have the right and the ability to monetize those rights with another outlet. As part of this Amazon deal, what Amazon is saying to the judge, we'll give $115 million, but we don't want just the streaming rights to the MLB teams. We want the streaming rights to the NBA and the NHL teams, those same teams where it's supposed to revert back to the league. Uh-uh. We want those rights for ourselves. Now, Amazon, of course, could go back to the leagues and cut a deal, but it's way cheaper to do what they're doing by doing the deal directly with Diamond to get them out of Chapter 11. It is a fantastically brilliant piece of business that Amazon is trying to do here. They are trying to get live rights cheaply, more cheaply than they otherwise could. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League all have a right to appear before a judge in a hearing that's now been delayed, but it will happen. And what the hearing is, is for the judge to decide, is this deal with Amazon, is this solution of reorganization proper, fair, with a chance of success? If the deal gets approved as is, Amazon ends up owning 15%, by the way, of this new company that won't be called Diamond anymore. Amazon will have the ability to pump 50 more million dollars in to own even a bigger percent. And what people are saying is, well, Amazon is getting into, they are getting into the rights business. Yes, they are, which is a great thing for the leagues. So here's how I see this happen. The judge has, and I'm not impugning judges by any stretch. I love judges. The judge in this case, their goal in a chapter 11 reorg is to get it reorged. And it's been going on almost a year. When they are presented, when the judge is presented with this deal, it'll be briefed, which means that that MLB is going to object or not object, and they'll do it in writing, and then there'll be oral arguments. But the judges generally would like to get it off the docket and get this deal completed. I believe at the end of the day, there is going to be a deal that will be done with three parties, not two. The three parties are Leagues, Diamond, and Amazon. And the reason I think there'll be contractual privity, which means a relationship between all three of the parties, is that the judge recognizes, because judges are no fools, what Amazon's trying to do here. And I believe in fairness, and I believe in transparency. I absolutely believe in trying to get the best deal you can for yourself, for your company, for your league, for your person when you're negotiating but when there is an arbitrator which is what a judge is like he is going to try to split the baby that's an expression that's used in business when there's a settlement where a judge helps foment a settlement they say oh let's just split the baby you want to give us 4 million we need 6 million we're, there's going to be a 5 million dollar price it's like the end of a negotiation and i believe that is what will happen But there is more news to come. This Amazon deal is not just going to be rubber stamped. All right. When we come back. Oh, it's Thursday. We're reviewing a movie for my top 100. Yes. And we're going to generate a new one. And then we're going to answer. So you want to talk to Samson question. That is uh, something sad happened with the Golden State Warriors. Their very popular assistant coach. Dayan Milojovic passed away at the age of 46 yesterday. And someone asked a question about that. And uh, I'm gonna answer it when we come back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code Samson new customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code Samson the crown is yours 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.
1: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It is David Sampson, Matthew Coca. We're live every day, 8 a.m., on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Please, Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends about our show. It's available for download at all times. Coca, before I get to the movie, you want me to answer that question? All right, I will. Do I think blackout rules will still apply even with Amazon? No, MLB wants to get rid of blackout rules. The leagues wanna get rid of blackout rules. That is the wave of the future where in-market streaming is going to be allowed and available. I believe blackout rules are going to disappear There was a reason to protect your home territory when you did the cable deals. That reason has gone away. I think that we are all going to get our wish and blackouts will no longer occur. Thank you for that question, Coca. Okay, let's review Tootsie, which what number was that of my top 100? Do you remember? I want to say it was 72. I don't, know, I don't know what number we randomly generated last, last week. So I watched Tootsie this week with Dustin Hoffman, Jessica Lange, it was number 72. And it's a movie about a actor named Michael Dorsey who can't get any jobs. He's sort of difficult to work with. His agent is the famous director, Sidney Pollack, in an outstanding performance. And he decides that he wants to try out for a part that his girlfriend is trying out for. Terry Gar, And it's for a part in a soap opera. And he goes dressed as a woman to try out for this role. And he gets the role as a woman. So Michael Dorsey becomes Dorothy Michaels. And Dorothy Michaels then proceeds to become this representative of strong, great women. Did Tootsie age well? I understand where there are people who say it didn't. People are upset about Mrs. Doubtfire, upset about tootsie. But if you actually watch the movie, forget the fact that the theme song I listen to almost every time I work out by Stephen Bishop, it's called It Might Be You. Forget the fact that Jessica Lange was one of my first crushes nominated for an Academy Award. Forget the fact that Bill Murray makes an uncredited appearance as Michael Dorsey's roommate, forget the fact that Charles Durning, one of the most pleasurable, great character actors of our time, is Jessica Lange's father. How about just the fact that what would you do to work in the industry that you love, want to work in, where you make a living, when you can't get hired? There were movies like this back in the day, like Soul Man with C. Thomas Howell. Things that you do to get into a place where otherwise you couldn't get into. That's been a conversation that people have been having for hundreds of years. It's a conversation that we're still having. The quality of Tootsie, the subject matter of Tootsie, it's still worth watching with your friends, with your kids, with your family. Why? Because it will help lead to a really cool conversation. love that movie. I would not take it out of my top 100 at all. It's time to see what I'm going to watch this week. Look, this is the random number generator. It's on one-to-one right now. I'm putting in one-to-100, and I'm hitting generate. Generate. 13. What's 13, Coca? What am I reviewing next week? What do I get to watch again? Something really good if it's 13. Oh, I just watched that, but I'll I i have not reviewed it, I don't think. Number 13 for me is Love Actually. It is not hard to get me to watch Love Actually. Is there any better? It's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Bill Nahi, one of my favorites. This current forget it. I'm you know what? I'm gonna watch it tonight. It's a perfect 2 to 4 a.m. movie. I'm so happy. I just picked 13. Way to go, Coca. All right, as a reminder, Nothing Personal has been nominated for two sports podcast awards. I thought voting ended January 19th. Good news, it doesn't. It ends January 28th. I got the date wrong this entire time. So you still have 10 days to vote for us in sports, uh, Best Sports Business and Best Baseball Podcast. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com, please. I would appreciate that. All right, Coca, play the music.
0: You know what I want.
1: I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Half-Baked had an anniversary yesterday. Someone tweeted at me at David P. Samson, and I retweeted it, but I can't remember how many years ago it was. Maybe 40? Is it really 40 years ago? Anyway, Half-Baked movie came out, and Samson's a character, and people want to talk to him. So if you want to talk to me, go to davidsampsonpodcast.com, ask a question, or go to David P. Samson on Twitter. Hit follow. When did it come out, Coca? 1998. That's not even a big anniversary. That's 26 years ago. I just said 40 years. Not exactly, it's 26 years. Anyway, it's a great movie. And I think Half-Baked 2 is coming out soon. All right, here's the question. This one is, it starts off awesomely and ends up fantastic question, but sad. Hi, David. Always a good way to start a question for me to get you to read it, get on the air. I attended a UConn men's hockey game this past weekend that announced a record attendance of 9,428 fans. My initial reaction was horse hockey. At the same time, a guy sitting in the row behind me explained to his friends that David Sampson says that teams inflate their numbers and there was no way there could have been over 5,000 in attendance that game. That really makes me smile. Just like when I see people on the street and they're actually listening to Nothing Personal or I get pictures or I see people wearing Nothing Personal merch that you can get at Podcast.com, or I just see the numbers and Metal reluctantly gives me the numbers. I appreciate all of you. Okay, more of the question. Thought I would share. I appreciate that. Please keep sharing. On a heavier and sadder note, the Warriors canceled their game tonight as their assistant coach, Dejan Milojevic, passed away. What is the cutoff in a team's organization for a passing to warrant a canceled game? I appreciate that question because most people don't want to ask it. The Golden State Warriors assistant coach, very popular. We talked about it. 46 years old, out to dinner in Utah before playing the Jazz. The Warriors were playing the Jazz. Coaches, players out to dinner together. Does not happen every city all the time. I can understand why it happens in Salt Lake City. Nothing against Salt Lake City. I love it. And the medical emergency that he had, it turns out, was a fatal heart attack. So he went to the hospital was taken to the hospital and he died. It was then announced by the NBA that the Warriors-Jazz game was going to be postponed. And I started thinking about my experience with games being postponed because of death. And you know I have it with the passing of Jose Fernandez and our cancellation of that game that day. And then we played the next day. He died on a Sunday morning. We were playing Monday evening against the Mets back in 2016. And so I've had to think a lot about what it would take to postpone a game? And the answer is an assistant coach dying when players are around, it's still not a guarantee of a postponement. The actual mechanics of how that game got postponed is the players' union gets involved. If the players' union gets called by the players of the team and the players say, we can't play, we don't feel right playing. We're not in the right headspace to play. The union then decides whether or not they're going to go to the league with that information. Sometimes the union says to the players, hey, nut up, you got to play. If it's something going on bad that happened in the country, there's a war, there's a crash, there's a death, there's a serial killing, there's a, a school shooting. Whatever the case may be, there are many occasions where the union would say, hey, we got to play. This cannot be a reason not to. If the players object vociferously enough, the union then calls the league and says to the league, excuse me, our guys can't play. The league says, all right, hold on, we'll be back to you. The league then goes into the following three issues. One, scheduling. If they don't play now, when can they play? Two, how much advance notice is there are fans on their way to the game? Are they at the game already? Game day employees, are they at the game already? Is there enough warning to get people not to commute to have to commute to work concession stands and tickets? Four, I said three, we're at four already, although two was sort of two A and B, so this could be three. PR, what can we say? How will it be received if this game is postponed? If the VP of marketing dies at a team dinner, I assure you there is no cancellation. If a player dies, I assure you there is cancellation. Head coach, guaranteed. We've had circumstances where the wife of a head coach has passed away. The game goes on. It is a very logistical, very complicated logistical issue about when games go on and when they're postponed and when they're not. It is not relevant how popular this assistant coach was, and he was hugely popular. What was relevant is that the NBA could check off all the things that had to do to postpone a game, the union with consultation of the players for both teams, including the Jazz. There was enough togetherness on postponing the game that they did. So you ask me, what's the cutoff? It really depends on the logistics. There are certain guarantees one way or the other. I would say an assistant coach, if it's a back row assistant coach as an example, or an assistant to the traveling secretary, or an assistant bullpen coach, believe it or not, the conversation would happen with the game go on. I appreciate that you asked that. Nothing personal pick of the day. I hope you guys have been following me. We had the Knicks five over the Rockets. We're now 11 and six. This is after starting the season 0 and four. We are 11 and two in our last 13. Knicks five over the Rockets. That was a winner. Tonight, those same Utah Jazz are back in action. Utah has been H O T, both against the spread and just winning games. The Thunder are on the road where they've been mediocre. The Thunder are a field goal favorite over the Jazz. And we're taking them. Thunder, three over the Jazz. All right, I want to end today's show with just a few minutes about my main man, James Harden, because he came out with another great line. James Harden is now on the Los Angeles Clippers. Remember, they started off so poorly they couldn't win a game, and now they can't lose a game. They have the best record in the NBA for the last, I don't know, 25 games. Playing great, James Harden made an announcement that he wanted everyone to know. Can you guess what it is? Just everyone, wherever you're watching and listening. I wish we had the studio audience. Just guess with me. Ready? I'm going to count down. I'm talking to the hanger and the blanket over there, and the dry cleaning bag, and a few bats and balls. Three, two, one. Lifetime Clipper. Ding, ding, ding. James Harden wants to spend the rest of his career in L.A. Are you shocked by that? He wants to spend the rest of his career wherever he is. Players always say that. I really like it here. I'd like to spend the rest of my career here. Kawhi Leonard just took a pay cut in order to keep the Clippers together. Kawhi Leonard just signed that huge extension, like $150 million over three years or something. That was a big pay cut. He could have gotten 220 over four. But it was done to make sure they can sign Paul George, maybe keep Russell Westbrook, who's making the minimum next year, like four million bucks. Make sure Harden's back. We're gonna run it back because we're good. Have you not learned? I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna name it now. I was gonna name it the Harden. I'd rather name it the Stroman. Marcus Stroman, when he's pitching really great, says I want to re-sign with the Cubs. I've got great interest in the Yankees. It all makes me laugh. James Harden, when things are going well, always wants to be where he is and get the max deal that he thought he was promised by Daryl Morey. The minute the Clippers lose eight out of 10 and get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, do you think he'll have a different point of view? I think it's only a matter of time. Steve Ballmer's got a decision to make. As an owner of a team that has not succeeded, they've got a new stadium, new arena opening up. And he's got to decide, does he want to go to bed and stay in bed with James Harden? Nobody else has wanted to, but you never know. Maybe they're a match made in heaven. Meanwhile, the Clippers have their new arena and they announce something that Coca loves because anything that involves European soccer coming to the U.S. is a positive for so many people. Did you read about this? They're creating a special section in the new Clippers arena, who is, by the way, hosting the All-Star Game in 2026. But in this new section, they're calling it The Wall. You've got to be a Clippers fan. 4,500 fans, like 50 rows, all Clippers fans, strict rules. Like they're going to enforce these very strict rules that if you sit in that section, you cannot cheer for the other team or, God forbid, wear the gear of the other team. Not allowed. They're trying to create this area of just great, passionate Clippers fans. And I dig it. It is entirely impractical. There's no way to enforce it. Your game day security. If somebody's wearing a Lakers jersey in the Clippers wall area, are they going to walk down and say, excuse me, can you turn your Lakers jersey around? You think the NBA is like the EPL? You wouldn't wear a Liverpool jersey in Man U at their home field or Tottenham. Would you wear an Arsenal jersey in the Tottenham supporters section? Would you wear a Tottenham jersey in the Arsenal supporters section? No, because you get your ass kicked. It's not like that in the NBA in these smaller arenas. What, you wear a... Now, I was nervous wearing a Knicks jersey at Houston in the finals. I agree. But come on. Now, don't think that I am overlooking the horrific behavior that can happen between fans, including when a Bills fan just killed a Dolphins fan after the Bills-Dolphins last game of the regular season including what happens at the Dodgers parking lot, you know, on a day that ends in y. I'm absolutely not underselling that. I am saying while I love what the Clippers are doing, doing it with James Harden and the rest of the guys, oh, is the Bills fan. Are you sure Coco was a Bills fan who died? I thought it was a Dolphins fan. Okay, it was a Bills fan in the parking lot at in Miami Gardens. That's horrible as a road fan. It's disgraceful. I guess that is what happens. That happened with the Dodgers and the Giants fan. In any case, Coca, before we conclude, because we're now two minutes over, my conclusion, I love what the Clippers are doing. Don't go to bed with Harden and with Westbrook and George. It's not going to work. And don't think that there's a chance there's going to be a wall of Clippers fans that you're going to in any way replicate what a supporter section is like in Europe. We've all tried it. It doesn't work. That said... If you can get 4,500 people to buy season tickets in your new arena, well done you. It's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. Maybe, maybe not. Wait to see. This is nothing personal.